operator shop operators make money, save money, work smarter. I'm Mike Munzenreiter, associate editor for Fender Bender, and with me today is DJ Mitchell, vice president of Mitchco Collision. Today, DJ and I are talking about some of his experiences in growing MSOs, namely the differences shop owners will face going from one shop to two shops, three shops, and more. Thanks for coming on, DJ. Thanks for having me. Today, I thought we'd talk about the differences between operating one shop to two shops and then three shops and on. What what changes as you expand your uh, MSO operation? First, I think it would be good for listeners to know your background in operating MSO and, and growing it. Yeah, of course. So uh, my name is DJ Mitchell. I'm 31 years old. Uh, I'm third generation in the body shop business. Uh, my grandpa had a body shop that uh, he sold to my dad. Uh, I still work with my dad today. He's probably been involved in buying and selling more body shops than probably anybody that, that I can think of. He, uh, he bought the one from my grandpa. He sold it um, to a company called Master Collision Repair um, back in the late 90s or early 2000s. Um, he ended up buying the entire Master Collision business. Uh, the, the one he had sold to, he bought all of them from them. They you know, kind of wanted to get out of it, so my dad ended up from, you know, three to like 15 or whatever. And um, he grew Master Collision, uh, sold it to Gerber Collision and Glass a while ago, uh, maybe eight or 10 years even. That's kind of where I came along. I worked for my dad a little bit when I was in high school, sanding, taping, priming, working in the accounting department, just kind of some odds and ends. Then I went off to college at the University of Central Florida. I worked at a Cadillac dealership. Uh, where I was part of a, a paint team. There was five or six painters and pretty big, pretty busy shop. And then um, I left to go work in an independent shop, uh, did some combo work there. And then um, my dad called me. Uh, it, was, it was about the same time he had sold to Gerber and asked me if I wanted to go work at Gerber. So I worked there for a little bit, running some shops, helping to open some new ones. And then my dad called me again because he knew I wasn't very happy and asked me if I wanted to open up some shops with him. So my dad and I opened up Car Guys Collision Repair together about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew from one to 14 in four years. Wow. Um, we, were, we were actively, we were still actively growing. We got approached by a bunch of different groups. We ended up, you know, making a deal with Joe Hudson's Collision Center um, a couple years ago, uh, maybe two years ago. Uh, we thought it was a good opportunity for me to work for a big company. Um, my dad was kind of able to get some of his chips off the table and, you know, working as an advisor to Joe Hudson's collision. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'm a lot, you know, like my dad, where we just kind of like working for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we decided um, after my year of employment was up with Joe Hudson's collision, my dad and I opened uh, Mitchco Collision Repair. Um, we opened last February. We fixed our first car last February. Uh, today, we have four locations in Brevard County. Uh, mm-hmm. We're looking at a fifth and a sixth and a seventh um, right now. Um, it's just kind of what we do. We we, uh, we buy body shops. We remodel them. We try to put some work in them, try to build a good team. You know, people ask us all the time, you know, we just buy them to sell them, and that's absolutely not true. Uh, we buy them because we think they're good locations with potential. 
and we put a good team in it and do our best to, to make the shop run well and function good and, and look, you know, good from the outside. And if you have a good business, people want to buy it from you. We've been fortunate to have people want to buy our business a couple times. Um, this, yeah. That's kind of the story there, I guess. From what I can tell, you have the experience of starting with one shop, taking on more, expanding. So uh, speaking from that experience, let's say we've got our hypothetical shop owner who is looking to expand. They've got a good business model. They're operating a single yep. shop. What is going to change for that operator, that owner, once they take on that second shop? Okay, so something we always say is, you know, no matter how big a body shop is, no matter how many locations they have, how much funding they have, it is really hard to compete with a good local operator. Mm -hmm. uh, a good local operator knows their market. They, they know people in the area. They, they go to the, the restaurants and the bars and the grocery store and, the, and their kids' baseball games and stuff and went to high school there a lot of times. And they, they know people there. It's hard to find somebody that's going to care about your business as much as you care about your business. So when you mm -hmm. have one location, you have those advantages. You're, you're there all the time. You have your, you know, you have the pulse of what's going on. You're, you're involved in the day to day. A lot of times, whether you think you are or not, um, you know, we've, we've bought shops before where the owner says, you know, and the place basically runs itself, but the owner's there all day. So, even though he may not be or she may not be writing estimates, ordering parts, calling customers or fixing cars, they're, you know, providing a sense of urgency, kind of setting the tone for the shop, helping to keep people upbeat, you know, running silly errands or uh, reviewing things, um, covering people for people when they go to lunch, you know, drumming up business, whatever. They're doing something. So when you open a second location, you have to really sit down and figure out all the stuff that you're doing that you may not realize you're doing. Right. So when you're not there every day to kind of get the day started, who are you going to rely on to do that? Or how are you going to make sure you can get the day started at two places at the same time? Hmm. Um, if you're heavily involved, if you're running the shop every day, then you have to figure out who's going to replace you. So mm -hmm. I would say the first thing to think about is who is going to do what you do when you don't do it anymore. Yeah, that is one of the really, really big things to wreck. I would probably say that's number one. What kind of stuff has to be managed when you have a shop? You have to manage your employees, keep the customers happy. You have to watch parts, credits, pay offers, um, cash flow, quality. Now you're going to have double that, hopefully. So you have to figure mm -hmm. out a plan on how you're going to do two as well as you do one. Focus all your attention on the new one. Uh, if you focus all your attention on the new one, the old one may fall apart. You have to figure out a way to be able to provide attention to both in a different way. It's a, it's a, it's a big change in your mindset, especially when you're used to doing, you know, stuff in the shop all the time. Now, when you have two, you have to kind of work on it more than you work in it. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to get used to. You know, we've grown very quickly, constantly kind of kick myself and say, you're working on it. You need to be in it right now because this one's brand new. Or they say, man, you're too in this. You have to be working on it. So it's, it's you have to kind of have, be able to, to learn, to be able to learn 
when you need to switch back and forth, back and forth. And it's just something you get used to by doing it. Um, there'll be times you're working in it too much and there'll be times you're working on it too much. Uh, you just got to kind of find the balance. You can't just double what you do because it's not possible to double what you do. You need to figure out how to find other people to do some of what you were doing when it was just one location. And you do have to figure out then how to cover more ground. Yeah. And, and it's at two with, with two locations or maybe even three. Um, you know, I'm sure there's somebody that could do four. Um, but I mean, you could do everything you do at one at two locations, but you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. So if you want to continue to grow the business from two to three to four to five to however many, that's a skill you have to learn. Or you have to realize that you can't do it and find somebody that can help you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a lot of shops where, you know, the owners, you know, realize at some point that, hey, I'm not that guy. I can't run four or five body shops, but I'm really good at what I do. And they find somebody to help them do it. You know, that's, you know, that's probably one of the smartest things somebody can do, you know, realize I'm really good at this and I'm not so good at that. Let me find somebody to help me do this. Um, so I guess the second thing would be kind of defining your role between multiple locations. What are you going to be doing or what is somebody else going to be doing? You've already mentioned three locations, four plus locations. Is there a point, I guess, when the nature of the business really changes, when you get to a certain scale where, you know, there's no way to be that single operator and you have to hire maybe not just one, but two people to help you with operations. What, what scale is that at, do you think? I would say it really depends on the sales volume of the stores, the, the mix of mm-hmm. work, where it's coming from, how big the location is, the number of employees. I would say there's a, there's a switch from, from a single location to multiple locations. So like two, um, three, somewhere in there. Then the next kind of step is when you say, okay, I know what I should be doing. I'm able to do my job. However, it is now too much for me to do this with, you know, five or four locations, however many it is. And then, so the, the next step would be you're running multiple locations and somebody, and somebody is working for you to help you run them. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's kind of a, that's kind of a whole different thing. You have to get this person to watch what you would watch while you're, you have to watch them watch what you would watch. Right. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, you got to get this person to do the job that you would be doing. So now you can move into your next job, which I would think kind of at that position, you're probably working more on, you're probably working on it a lot and working in it very, very little at that point. Right. And that's, that's on a scale. That's a number of shops, a lot of variables. At, at car guys, uh, when we had 14, uh, we had, experimented with some some people some some market help um we had to kind of figure out what help we needed um you know there's there's stuff i'm really good at and there's stuff i'm i just don't like to do and i'm not good at Mm -hmm. um we tried to get people to do the jobs that i don't like doing and i'm not very good at i'm really Mm -hmm. good at hiring and 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 you know putting teams together and, and looking at um, big picture things, solving problems, building relationships. But I don't want to go to a store that has a parts credit problem 
and sit there and get on the phone and call vendors and try to track down credit. I just, I could do it. I just don't like to do that. So finding somebody who was good at that was a lot easier than finding somebody to kind of replace what I did. So we hired people to kind of fill those roles as we needed them. We had somebody that helped us manage our paint material, um, our quality. They went around, inspected quality all the time, uh, worked with the paint companies, um, made sure we were, uh, you know, using the right amount of material, keeping our material organized, making money on our material. We had a, a couple people that we gave certain shops to, like, you know, these stores may need a little more attention than these do. So I want you to work with these three, um, you know, be it this one Monday, this one Tuesday, whatever. And I'll keep the six or seven under my umbrella that don't need as much attention. And those right. stores would kind of flip flop, you know, one would start to get a little better. One would start to fall. So we may switch them out. You take this one and I'll put this one back under my umbrella. So, you know, a lot of that is really fluid. You have to know what's going on. You can't be too far from your shops to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. If you are, if you aren't mm-hmm. involved in the shops, you have to make sure there's somebody there that can accurately communicate with you kind of the pulse of the shop, what's going on and not just be dramatic over exaggerate or under exaggerate. Um, you know, I had an, ex- an example today um, that I saw. I was in town where my four shops are. They're two hours away from my house, so I'm not here every day. Um, I stopped in one store. They were having a good morning. Didn't really need much help from me. I did what I wanted to do there. So I make a phone call, and I talk to one of the guys, and they say, uh, no, man, everything's good. Don't need any help today. We should have it under control. Not a problem, because I knew somebody was out today. Mm-hmm. So... I said, man, that's great. Glad to hear it. I'm going to head over to another store then. So I talked to that manager about 45 minutes ago, and he says, man, I really wish you would have been here today. We could have used your help. So it sounds like the one guy may have been maybe exaggerating a little bit by acting like he needed my help as much as he did. But the other guy was probably, you know, underselling it by saying he didn't need me at all. So, um, you know, you just got to make sure you know what's going on at the stores and you're able to to, to get them the help that they need when they need it. Yeah, it, it makes me think, you know, operators are hands-on people. You've grown this thing. You have to step back to make it work. How hard is it giving up control and, and or that ability to know everything all the time? Because I feel like there's only so much you literally can know. Yeah, it was really hard for me at first. Uh, I, I've told this story on Bender Bender podcast before. I think I've written an article before. Um, So somebody's probably heard this before, but uh, we had three locations at the time and I would be at one in the morning. The other two were right next to each other. I was there in the afternoon or vice versa. And my dad wanted to go fish. He wanted to go fish on like a Wednesday morning. And I said, I can't. And he asked me why not. And I said, uh, well, I got to be at the shop. I got to open up. I got to prioritize the technicians. I got to run production. We got four or five cars dropping off. You know, I have to make sure that, you know, the shop runs properly. And my dad said, how big of a business are you ever going to be able to run if you can't be gone for a few hours on Wednesday morning? Yeah. And I was like, man, that kind of hits home. That makes a lot of sense. Like, I would never let go enough to see what the manager could do. I was always involved in it. And... Um, you know, I, I had to learn to let go of it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we have a gentleman at Horse Rose named Kevin. He still yells at me all the time. He doesn't yell at me, but he gets on me all the time. Like, you got to just tell people no. Like, when you're at the shop, you can't help everybody. You have to send them to the right person. So it's it's hard to get used to it. You know, you 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 got to constantly be coaching yourself. And then you got to remember just because you're the owner or the regional manager or whatever, you, you can still be coached. You still need mm-hmm. to learn things. You're not doing a perfect job all the time. Uh, and that's hard for, for owners to get. They're used to having everything their way, and sometimes it just doesn't work like that. Sometimes you got to get put back in line. Sometimes you make a mistake. You just got to roll with it and try to learn. That ability to just step back, is it, even with going from one to two shots, and maybe this can be you know a wrap-up question, giving up some control, it sounds like that's a prerequisite with expansion. You have to let go of stuff have to give up control when when you're doing something yourself you know in your mind you're doing this as good as anybody else could possibly do it you're giving it 100 percent. you're making it as nice or as perfect as it could possibly be when you let go of something you have to get things done instead of do things so what you'll start to learn is even though you know somebody may do it 80 percent as good as you or get it you know 75 percent of the way that you want it you, if you can't affect 10 things and get them 80% as good, that's a lot better than affecting one thing and getting it 100% perfect. You can affect more things if you don't latch on and do something you shouldn't be doing. Great. I think that that applies to operating. Well, really applies to operating one. Definitely applies to operating two shops and applies to operating more. Thank you very much, DJ. I always appreciate your time. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Once again, I'm Mike Munzenrider with Bender Bender, and this was Collision Cast.